You're listening to the Q's Podcast, Episode 69. We have a great show for you today. We're so happy you're joining us. This is the forum where we talk to credit union industry leaders and cross-industry experts for a wide range of perspectives on trends and topics relevant to you. I'm your host, James Lenz, Q's Professional Development Manager. Did you know you can find show notes to all Q's podcast episodes? It's true. I want to encourage you to visit cumanagement.com slash podcast. If you haven't already done so, there is a link to each of our shows there as well as the show notes. cumanagement.com is our new content-rich website. I think you'll really like the design and look of the website. It has a wealth of resources for credit union CEOs and presidents, executive level employees, board members, and future leaders. Again, that's cumanagement.com. I want to tell you about our newly designed Q School of Strategic Marketing. We have consolidated our efforts to offer you the best strategic marketing learning experience all packed into just four days. It's taking place in Cleveland, Ohio from July 15th to the 18th of 2019. This event is just a short walk from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Attend this program, earn the prestigious Certified Strategic Marketing Executive or CSME designation. You'll also leave with an action plan to move your organization forward. To take a look at this action-packed agenda and how to register, it's easy. Go to cues.org forward slash S-O-S-M. Now to prep you for today's show, it's unlike any Cues podcast episode we've done before. In fact, I have to admit I'm a podcast junkie. I've actually listened to many, many thousands of podcast episodes that are out there. Today's episode is unlike any episode I've listened to before. You're about to experience a remote three-person panel session on the strategies and tactics associated with branding and marketing, branch experience, and digital growth. Our guests for today are Amy Herbig, CEO of The BA Group, Anthony Burnett, Customer Experience Director of Level 5, and James Robert Lay, CEO of the Digital Growth Institute. All right, show listeners, let's get started. Today we have a very special show. I brought in three experts to participate in a panel discussion centered around branding and marketing, brands transformation and digital growth. I have Amy Herbig, Anthony Burnett, and James Robert Lay on the line. All three will serve as the leading faculty at the Q School of Strategic Marketing this year. Let me introduce you to our panelists one by one. First, let me introduce you to Amy Herbig. Amy is the CEO of the BA Group. Amy Thanks for spending some time with our Q's podcast listeners today. Thank you, James. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Amy, could you give us a brief overview of how the BA Group helps credit unions? Absolutely. My pleasure there as well, because BA's mission is plain and simple. We want to become a credit union's indispensable marketing partner. And what I mean by that is no matter big or small, all credit unions are always looking for some level of marketing assistance, support team, and even credit unions that don't have a single body in marketing are looking for fully outsourced marketing support. So what we do is we serve the function of everything from marketing management, project management, to media, digital media, social media, 
we have credit union marketing analytics as well as branding, name changes, pretty much you name it, we do it for our credit union partners. Additionally, we work with partners around the nation that are within the field from branch brand design firms to website solutions, e-delivery solutions, technology solutions, again, you name it, we touch it. It really is 24-7, 365 credit union marketing, it's what we do. I love it, Amy. Thank you. A lot of depth, a lot of experience there. Anthony Burnett was also kind enough to join us today. He is the Customer Experience Director at Level 5. Anthony, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks, James. Appreciate the invite. Anthony, could you please share with our listeners how Level 5 has a long-standing history of partnering with credit unions to help them grow and improve performance? Yeah, I'd be delighted to. Level 5 was created almost two decades ago now, James, and we've got clients as far northeast as New Hampshire, you know, down into the Keys and across all the way into Los Angeles. So from coast to coast, credit unions primarily grow through their branch network. Now, this podcast is going to talk a lot about digital growth, I know, but when credit unions are ready to grow, try to improve the performance of their company, that's when we get a call. So we help locate branches, we help design and construct those, and then as the company grows, in the back office, we address the main office as well. So we were pretty excited about being on the podcast today, and hopefully this will be helpful. Thank you, Anthony. We also have the CEO of the Digital Growth Institute on the show, James Robert Lay. It's a pleasure to have you as a panelist. James, it's good to be back as always. James, could you please share with our listeners a brief overview of how the Digital Growth Institute serves the credit union community? Sure. We're on a mission, and we've been on one for the last 17 years, to really simplify digital marketing strategies designed to empower credit unions and their marketing teams to generate 10 times more loans and deposits. We often hear from credit union marketers that they feel frustrated, confused, overwhelmed when it comes to uh, digital marketing as a whole. And so through a six-step digital growth accelerator program that has been designed to educate, empower, and elevate these marketing teams, we provide them with the strategies, systems, technology, and the habits that they need to confidently lead their credit unions to maximize their future digital growth potential. Thank you for sharing. Now, all four of us are in different locations right now, but we're here to bring about a discussion amongst you, our panelists, as well as our listeners, because what you do today can certainly propagate discussion for those listeners and their colleagues. So thanks for taking part in this. I know when I'm thinking about challenges and opportunities in life, I try to gather as much perspective as possible before making a final decision. It just seems like the natural thing to do. So in the same way, my hope is that our discussion today will generate expanded points of view on topics surrounding branding and marketing, the branch experience, as well as views on how organizations can grow digitally. Each of you bring a very different background and set of experiences, and to draw out some of your perspectives and experiences for the benefit of our Q's podcast listeners, I'll read a statement. Perhaps it may be grossly over-exaggerated, but I'd love for each of you to comment from your place of expertise. I kindly ask that each of you do your best to limit your individual responses to three minutes. All right, here's the first statement. Transformation at credit unions is only possible through technology delivery. Amy, I'll let you respond to this statement first. 
uh, happy to. Uh, as you just mentioned a moment ago, grossly over-exaggerated. I, I would say that statement <laughs> would fall into that category. However, it's not too far off the mark because I would say in order for a credit union to successfully transform in the year of 2019 and beyond must have technology delivery capabilities. Now, I work with credit unions, my company and I, coast to coast, north, south, east, west for nearly 14 years now. And I hear often the struggles of credit unions from 50 million in assets up to a billion in assets, wondering how to get a handle on their technology. Over the years, if credit unions have grown to compete, they've brought in a multitude of third-party vendors, or even some of them might feel trapped, to be honest, by some of their third-party relationships when it comes to their data and technology. And so if they can't measure it, they can't manage it, and they don't know where to go from there. Additionally, they might have the resources available through a third party, but they don't have the resources in-house, meaning time, staff knowledge, or even an individual that can leverage all the data that might be capable to them. I hear from creating small to mid-size, especially even upwards in the 750 million asset range, that feel that that technology and delivery channels can be so overwhelming because they are in a constant state of growth and change. And when they have the big banks or even larger sized credit unions, depending on their competitive landscape, uh, knocking down their door literally and, and metaphorically and by literal, I mean mergers as we see are continuing to happen within our industry as we lose numbers of credit unions, the count continues to go down. I truly believe from a professional experience-based uh, uh, standpoint that it's a lot in fact is due to the lack of the embracing of technology a long time ago. We're really, we really are as an industry sort of catching up, like we tend to find ourselves doing everything from having mobile banking to ITMs, uh, you know, the list can go on and on. But when it comes to data and technology, in order to successfully, coming from my area of expertise specifically for marketing and branding purposes, having a grasp on your technology, knowing the ins and outs of your current membership because that has significantly changed. Even if you're still a closed charter credit union, you have to always remember, credit unions have to always remember, their members have an option to bank not just elsewhere, but pretty much anywhere they want these days. And if we cannot leverage the loyalty in those relationships from a data standpoint, technology standpoint, then we will really be even more significantly behind the other financial institutions who are stealing our members away or becoming their primary financial institution because they have found a way due to digital delivery solutions, technology, and data to speak and relate to our members on a more personal level, believe it or not, than maybe we are. And again, I encourage the, the credit union, I don't care your asset size, what have you. There are capabilities likely currently in-house. I've seen it time and time again. It's it's making the decision that it's not a cost, but it's an an investment into the sustainability and growth of your credit union because at the end of the day in this era and beyond, the fintechs are going to continue to rule. And if we don't treat our technology and data as the core of that growth for our business, well, then I, I feel a sad day for credit unions in the future if that doesn't become embraced sooner. Very insightful, Amy. Thank you for your response. All right, uh, we're on to Anthony. Same statement for you. Transformation at credit unions is only possible through technology delivery. Man, I think Amy's hitting on all cylinders there. You look at all kinds of data points, James, 
year after year and you keep asking consumers what they care about when they're interacting with their bank of choice and, in, you know, in this podcast, credit unions. And right over there, the top is that convenience through a digital channel. I mean, you just can't get branches, no matter if you're Chase or Bank of America in every location. So there's a scalability in digital that you just can't get with the branch, with putting people close by. And there's also a big business case around acquiring customers digital. When you consider uh, the average mobile transaction costs the bank or credit union about 10 cents compared to four bucks every time they come into your facility and speak with your staff. I mean, the cost benefit there for using and leveraging digital channels is, is way up there. So we're seeing that companies are, are, are moving toward tech, using technology as an accelerator. I mean, that was populated way back when by Jim Collins and Good to Great. That's what good companies do. And that's what we see happening is that the technology piece is a part of branch transformation. It's a part of growing a business. Although six out of 10 customers may go online first to open a new account, seven out of 10 consumers will show up in a branch. So consumers want to get to people. So we've got to get them there faster. And that's what's happening. And that's where we're moving toward. And as Amy pointed out, the quicker you can make decisions and move that way, the better off you'll be. Thank you, Anthony. Certainly a lot of great opportunities to grow digitally, a lot of room to scale. And of course, there's still gold in the branches. All right, James, same statement for you. Transformation at credit unions is only possible through technology delivery. Man, that is really a loaded statement. You see, technology is really only part of the entire digital transformation equation because technology is simply a tool that really only creates value when used correctly and in proper context within the consumer buying journey. In fact, I believe that technology should be one of the last things we talk about when discussing digital transformation because it's so easy to get lost and, and overwhelmed and, and lose sight of where we're going with all of this technology talk. Technology is, is, is both... Uh, they shared before is really just the status quo, but technology has become what we're, we're calling a digital distraction for many credit unions as they worry about having the latest and greatest tech. And rightfully so, because as, as a whole, as an industry, we have fallen behind of other financial brands and fintechs who are launching with a digital first business model. But, and here's the big but, what good is the latest tech when we last lack the most important element of digital transformation. And that is a digital growth mindset because developing an ever expanding digital growth mindset really is a key strategic asset as through our work with credit unions, this type of a mindset accounts for more than 80% of a credit union's future digital growth potential as transformation really always begins in the mind. Um, you know, I, I, as I mentioned before, there's a lot of confusion, frustration, and overwhelmment that is, surrounds digital that traps credit union marketers along with their exec teams. And we call this the circle of, and the cycle of complexity, which the cycle is being fueled by the rapid technology transformations happening both on the consumer side and as well as on the competitive side of things. And so when we talk about developing a digital growth mindset, First for themselves, then their teams, and finally their organization as a whole, 
credit union marketers are empowered to simplify this complexity and gain clarity of how they can actually use these technologies to create bigger, better, brighter futures for themselves, for their members, and the people in the communities that they serve. Now, this requires a couple of things. It requires courage, it requires focus and intentionality because, as I mentioned before, this digital distraction, we risk adopting new technologies for tech's sake, and we, we simply, we just add to the confusion and don't make progress. All of this boils down to the simple fact that we as credit unions are still dealing with people, other human beings, people with feelings and emotions, questions, concerns, hopes and dreams, and, and growth is not found just through digital alone. And this is why coming back to that formulate process that I've been mentioning before, it's two things. It's the HX, the human experience that Anthony was talking about, plus the DX, the digital experience, that leads to future growth. And so when we bring the best of both worlds together, I believe this is what will help credit unions create that bigger, better, brighter future for themselves and the people in the communities that they serve. Thank you, James. Digital distraction, it's a, a real thing. And so it's about developing that digital mindset. You need to get organized first. Thank you, James. So thank you for your consideration of the last statement. Let's quickly move on to statement two. This time, let's have Anthony respond first. Here's a statement. Credit unions should never again print a paper brochure. <laughs> Anthony? Man, I think all of these questions James wrote just to try to tie us up in pretzels. Um, <laughs> obviously, obviously, uh, I think in the you're talking about whether someone goes online on their phone or in the branch. And there's different applications each time. I think digital provides a more portable, easier, easier to retain uh, method. Uh, but Heck, we've got people in our own office that can't master using Google Drive or Dropbox to retain information. So how can we, you know, expect consumers to do this at the same time? So I think there's still a place at time for physical tools in the branch like a brochure or something really tangible. It can make an, it can really make or grade an experience. So I mean, think about this, you know, when you go into Disney World, there's a dramatic opening experience there, but there can be an equally dramatic exiting experience that can be equally pleasant. So perhaps, you know, we, again, are trying to create really outlandish statements just to, to get a uh, reaction. But I think the point is, is well taken is it's not just information for consumers, always. Something digital, something physical that they take back and, and absorb, it's not just information. Uh, it really can impact things. So sometimes maybe it, sometimes maybe it still is physical like a paper brochure. Thank you for your response, Anthony. All right, James, same statement for you. Credit unions should never again print a paper brochure. Credit unions should have stopped printing paper brochures years ago. But what they do with those dollars is investing them into probably one of the biggest pain points we see digitally, and that is transforming glorified online brochures into websites that sell. Uh, because just like brochures traditionally were static, hard to update, hard to quantify, the same is true for the majority, I would say 90, 95% of credit union websites. To date, working with credit unions, we've run qualitative and quantitative assessments for more than a thousand different financial brand websites, um, doing competitive benchmarking. And what we continue to find is, while, while also at the same time hearing frustrations of consumers, uh, 
is that credit union websites today, they might look better, they might be mobile responsive, hopefully at this point, ADA compliant, but really are still just glorified online brochures. And in some cases, the content on those websites, if you track the lineage back and do a little bit of anthropology, the content on the websites today actually go back to the late 90s and early 2000s whenever they were taking content and copy from brochures and just copying and pasting them into websites. So the reality is that the website today has the potential to become a financial brand's number one source of growth, considering that over 80% of consumers start their financial buying journey online. And it's the experiences that a consumer has with a credit union website in this shopping experience is what's going to directly impact the propensity to convert into a member uh, or, or, or apply for a loan. So credit union websites must be optimized to help first, sell second. And to the later point, our continued assessments find that there are many opportunities to build digital lead gen systems within a credit union website to generate even more leads for loans, deposits, higher up in the consumer buying journey. Because what we're seeing right now is from a conversion standpoint, credit union websites are really only built for when someone is ready to raise their hand saying, I'm ready to apply, those late stage shoppers. One of the other biggest opportunities that we see is when when we're working with credit unions, they, they're creating growth by aligning financial shopping experiences across channels. It's what I mentioned before, human experience plus digital experience because there's opportunities now to include the branch and call centers into these digital experience. As our research has found time and time again, the leads a website generates could end up in a branch, could end up over the phone, and many times, more than not, those actually have a higher point of conversion because we're getting another human being connected with another human being. Thank you, James. Really neat angle on that response. All right, Amy, how about you? Credit unions should never again print a paper brochure. Amy, how do you respond to that statement? You know, definitely leading off what James Robert just said, and I don't mean to be shooting my own uh, career field in the foot being a marketer myself, but even when I started in the industry in 2002, I was in a credit union as the head of marketing. I remember arguing with leadership saying, why are we still wasting money on a printed newsletter or a printed brochure or things of that nature? I feel the same arguments happen still today, and I know our listeners will be shaking their heads, at least some of them in agreement. And I'm going to take it even an additional step further in that marketing and branding realm, which all three of us here today are obviously all encompassed with. But and, and with James Roberts, what you were just saying at the very end there is that one-on-one -on -one personal experience, what the beauty of technology and digital strategy and even the branch experience have allowed us are more personal relationships, are more connections. And I hear oftentimes that the, the credit union internally, so staff, leadership, CEO, the board, they have so much passion. Let's admit it. We don't get into the credit union industry because we're looking to make million-dollar bonuses every year. It's the people helping people. That adage is true. For the true credit union advocate is someone who isn't looking to punch a clock. Even if they are a hourly employee, they genuinely love helping people. They love what credit unions stand for. And that's where the struggles come, especially what we face in, in marketing, is there's so much that a credit union wants to express. But I want everyone to know how wonderful we are. Or I want them, I want to cross all T's and dot all I's so they understand our auto loans or our mission statement or whatever it might be. And so they have all the words. Credit unions are so impassioned about who they are 
who they need to be. And you're going to hear me say this a lot because it's true. No matter their size, we are credit unions at the end of the day. So there's so much passion behind getting that message out. And because there's still a lot of even millennials that think you have to write all that out in order for people to understand and get it. Well, I'm here to tell you today, when I started in this industry over 20 years ago as a marketer, not in credit unions, I've been in that industry, this industry for over 16 now. But when when I started in marketing, our attention span was about seven seconds if you were lucky. You can imagine when I say four seconds if you're lucky today is probably far reaching. Nobody wants to read a printed brochure. However, being a credit union, we have members of multiple generations. We know another uh, issue facing our industry is our average age of member continues to age. Not age is just a number sometimes in my book, Not doesn't need to denote anything. You could be of the great generation and be on Instagram. I mean, we don't want to limit that uh, to that general statement, but the thought of printing documents that are outside of, well, even your loan documents and such to me are, is still archaic, but maybe you have some backups for those that don't have technology, depending on where your your credit union is situated, but to engage even further and to bring that passion out stronger, that credit union, everything from executive to the part-time teller have, you need to enhance that feeling of that personal relationship and take your passion and put it into a better medium, which are videos, which is social media, which are digital delivery channels from digital media to how James Robert Lay was talking about it, how your website functions to your branch experience. We have gotten, I think a lot of times it's the millennial or the Gen Xer is always coined as the, you know, the needy generation or, or the ones who are just, they have to always be on social media or Snapchat. Well, guess what? We've all adopted that. That's not a millennial thing anymore. I, I anybody with a smart form, excuse me, a smartphone, is looking for that personal relationship. Has the friends on Facebook, and so if we want to take that passion that we're trying to type out in a three-panel brochure that we think someone is going to read with as much enthusiasm as we had creating it. Um, no, I'm going to shake my head, even not even knowing a specific credit union situation. But you take those same words and you express that in a three-minute video, and you don't need to hire $20,000 of a video crew to record it. In fact, in fact, being a little bit more um, uh, amateurish is more authentic and true. Uh, people are going to eat that up, and it's way less expensive than paying an agency or taking the time in-house to create a, a brochure and letting yourself flow with your passion and posting on your social media or your website to get that information across. Running digital media here, we see time and time again, too, that videos far outweigh and perform static ads or obviously things of a printed nature. And I'm going to end my statement. You can't measure the results on a printed piece of paper. But when you have something digitized through the plethora of forms you have, um, or outlets, I should say, you have to have things digital these days, we're back to what we talked about a few minutes ago with the digital uh, technology channels. You're able to measure it, track it, manage it, learn from it, and evolve forward. So at the end of the day, credit unions should never print, uh, again, a, a paper brochure. Uh, I'll just take the, the shot and say, yes, they shouldn't. They should stop. <laughs> Amy, thank you for sharing that advice. Really interesting. 
All right, panel statement three. This will be our last statement. Then we're going to move on to part two here. And and Q's podcast listeners, I think you have heard about this before, and there's a lot of pondering on this sort of topic. There seems to be a lot of discussion surrounding the topic of measuring the outcome of strategic marketing planning efforts. The third statement I'd like you to reflect on is, Credit union marketers will never be able to truly measure the results of their efforts. James, could you please start off your thoughts on that statement? Uh, James, I really feel for today's credit union marketer. I, I really do. You know, when, when I ask them how they feel about just their digital growth future as a whole, there are typically three common responses I get. One is I feel frustrated because I have tried some of doing some of this digital stuff but can't prove what works. And so we diagnose that as dabbling in digital. The second statement I get is I'm confused. I'm confused about what I should do next because there are so many different possible paths forward. I just don't know what to, to do, what to pick. And then three is I feel overwhelmed because I'm already working at max capacity because as a credit union marketer, I'm really viewed as nothing more than just a glorified in-house Kinkos. And because of this, I don't have time to learn anything new. And so there, there are these three frustrations that are further amplified by the fact that many credit and marketers not just feel like they're, they're a glorified in-house Kinkos, but really worse is, is they're looked at as a cost center by others. Um, I think probably one of the, the most heartbreaking Responses I, I, I get to this, and it's, 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 it's really many who share it in private, is that as a credit union marketer, I feel like I'm, we're looked at as just kids that play with paint and crayons. And so all of this negative connotation around marketing is really rooted in something much deeper, and that's legacy thinking and legacy systems. And I get it. Up to this point, marketing was very, very difficult to prove and quantify the value, the results uh, through traditional broadcast marketing efforts. However, with today's digital marketing technologies and capabilities, along with a proven strategy that helps to align systems, technologies, habits designed around accrediting his goals for growth, crediting and marketers have the ability to prove what they're doing on a day-in and day-out basis, prove what works, yes, even prove what doesn't work, and really show others within their credit union how their role as a credit union marketer creates value on the bottom line in the form of leads, loans, new accounts, deposits. So, yes, credit union marketers can prove the value, can measure what they're doing, and as a result, when they do this, I guarantee that credit union marketers will stop feeling like overwhelmed, frustrated order takers and rise up, elevate themselves to become the strategic leader their executive team respects, values, trust to guide their financial brand towards a future of digital growth. Sounds like you have a lot of empathy and understanding that response showcases your experience. Thanks for your thoughtful responses, James. Amy, same statement for you. Credit union marketers will never be able to truly measure the results of their efforts. You know, when I was listening to you, James Roberts, speak, it where James Roberts comes into the picture, MBA, myself, and my team come into the picture, 
we become or work with that that frustrated, um, uh, downtrodden credit union professional because exactly that is he hit it on the head with that very sad statement of unless you've lived in our world of marketing, someone truly doesn't understand. I'm not trying to play the martyr here. I think a lot of times people think the ads that appear, whether it's through digital static, you know, building a branch, anything of that nature, just happens. They don't understand the multiple the multiple layers and all the elements that go into doing marketing well. I mean, you can just do marketing and call it in, but when you're going to be doing it successfully and well, that that is a process, that that takes time. And again, as, as James Roberts said, it is not a cost. And as I've said earlier, it's an investment and it truly is the lead of the organization. And unless you have those infrastructures in place, as James Roberts says, I don't mean to be redundant, but a crayon marketer won't be able to showcase the truly measurable results and effective efforts of their marketing if they have the archaic systems or if there's too many of them and they don't know how to centralize them or there isn't a way to centralize those capabilities. We hear all the time, all the time when the credit union is looking to save money or cut expenses, they look at marketing first. Marketing first goes, 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 whether it's a person in a body in house, whether it's their budget, but then the marketer is held accountable in the same breath to grow the credit union. What is marketing doing? And uh, my former credit union before starting BA, we literally put on our marketing office wall, if it didn't work, go ahead, just blame marketing. And we were being sarcastic, but we were also being true. If something is success, successful, marketing rarely gets the kudos. If something failed, well, we didn't do enough marketing. And so how in the world is a credit union marketer, A, supposed to continue to feel uh, energized and passionate about their position when they're constantly chasing their tails, trying to show that there's also always going to be, and I know that might seem like a little bit of a loaded statement when I say the word always, but there will always be some anecdotal percentage of marketing you cannot measure. We cannot measure someone listening to this Q's podcast, what he or she might say to their partner or spouse at night and how that might then translate into something they do in marketing uh, in their future, either next week or a month or year from now. So same with when a marketer is doing branding or any initiative, uh, they might be measuring their engagements on social media or looking at their Google analytics, but there might also be something a little imperfect there such as somebody might really be intrigued off of something they saw on social media and not clicked on it or liked it or what have you, but yet they actually took action because they knew they were driving by the credit union tomorrow and going to walk into the branch. You can't measure that. However, by having those, again, back to what we've been, you know, the whole podcast is about, we keep coming back to this topic when a credit union invests and realizes the importance of that investment into data tracking capabilities. It's not only for the marketer. Yes, it heightens our role significantly, but it's for everybody else because no matter what you do when you have data, 95 or more percent of the time, you're going to have to do something with that. And that with that is some form of marketing. And that marketing also includes down to the to or to the branch level over there, how staff engages with it, how they might be cross selling it, what 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 they might be held as accountable for and supporting the marketing efforts to everything from their digital media to digital growth strategies. We we do uh, BA and our partners, we will help with board reports often. And we have um, worked with 
the boards uh, of the credit unions to explain to them and educate them, we will only provide measurable, trackable return on investment information on those efforts we can truly measure. So the branch 22 by 28 poster or the, the TV screens in the lobby, all are, are absolutely necessary support, part of the member journey and experience uh, mediums. But we will only be reporting the results and basing our results on the digital, trackable, measurable, reportable mediums and when they realize that, a board realizes that, and they start, or even a leadership team, and they start to see numbers play into effect, positive ROIs, exposure rates, you know, engagement rates, then that, as you put it, James Robert, that legacy thinking starts to die down because, unfortunately, those of us who live and breathe in marketing, we get it, and a lot of times we have to be doing the education of others to get it comes with the territory. Don't get in this field if you're not going to expect to have to do that. But if we don't have the tools as marketers in this industry in order to provide that information, then the struggle is real and the struggle is consistent. Amy, thank you so much for your thoughtfulness there and your clarification. And uh, same thing for you, Anthony and James. We're going to make a transition now, listeners. We're going to go to focus on best practices as you reflect on your experiences in working with credit unions, could you share a brief story or example, without naming the credit union, of how you worked with an organization that faced a particular challenge? So in short, identify the challenge. That's number one. Number two, describe some of the steps that were taken to overcome those challenges. And number three, what are some best practices you'd be willing to share related to the work you do every day. I know we could go really deep on this, but let's try and keep our responses each to three to four minutes. Who would like to go first? I'll pick this one up. All right, James, go ahead. So I'm just going to talk anecdotally with the kind of a high-level story of a credit union that had reached out to us because they felt like they were stuck in that cycle of complexity I had talked about before. You know, they had, they had done everything that they had knew they could do up to that point when it came to digital marketing and digital growth. They had built a, a, a mobile responsive ADA compliant website. They had placed some digital ads. They sent out some emails. They posted some content on social media, but they felt stuck because they weren't getting the leads, the loans, the deposits, the growth that the marketing team and, and really they were getting pressure. Marketing was getting pressure from CEO, CLO, CFO to show performance. And so I reassured them that they weren't alone um, with where they were. It's very, very common situation. And so through our digital growth diagnostic, we actually pinned their situation and diagnosed them as that phrase I used before, dabbling in digital, and really identified three key challenges that were holding them back from maximizing their future digital growth potential. The first was that they had lacked a really a well-defined digital marketing strategy. Um, at the time for them, digital marketing was just a bunch of tactics and activities that had not been pulled together into well-defined processes, systems, and habits. But once again, they weren't alone in these struggles because our year-over-year -year research continues to find that even today, after we started benchmarking this about four years ago, 80 to 85% of financial brands do not have a defined digital marketing strategy that provides guidance and a clear path forward into the future. 
The second roadblock that they had to overcome was around their website, which I talked about before because their website at the time, even though it was relatively new and it looked better than it did previously, it was still just a glorified online brochure because it was not optimized for, for lead gen. They had no impact or no idea of the impact of, of what performance their website was creating on the bottom line. And so what we did is through quarterly quantitative and qualitative secret shopping initiatives, just like we would traditionally do in a branch, we, we did on their website with a focus on two things, lead experience and emotional experience. We identified some very specific actions that they could take to make their digital shopping experience even better through continuous optimization. And this required a mind shift, uh, a mindset shift of viewing their website more as like an online storefront, say like a Amazon or a Zappos or Nordstrom's would, instead of just a one and done exercise that they went through every three to four years. And finally, we had uncovered that they lacked key digital marketing technologies that could empower their marketing team to do even more. I mean, how many times do we hear from marketers, we have to do more with less. And so we had recommended that they adopt a marketing automation platform to integrate with their website as their website would become optimized for digital lead generation. The marketing automation platform would help to nurture those leads with content, position the credit union as the helpful guide in these consumer financial journeys and, and really bridge the gap between marketing and sales, whether that be in the call center or at the branch level. And so as we guided this credit union along their, their journey, they gained clarity about where they could go. They gained courage and commitment from other key stakeholders. And they had a clear path forward. And, and their confidence just continued to increase as they started to implement some of these recommendations. And as a result, their website, the leads through it, generate, increased by 1,500%. And they were able to quantify once again that their website put about $22 million in net interest income from loans in their pipeline in about 12 months. And they had about a pull through rate of $2.2 million. So this transformed this credit union marketing team from confusion to clarity. And they are now just on a tear and continuing to lead their credit union onwards to a bigger, better, brighter future. James, thank you for sharing that example. It's a great one and for sharing some good takeaways there. All right. Who would like to go next? I'll take this one, James. This is Anthony. So, you know, when it comes to major capital investment, there's nothing that makes a board of directors pucker more than when they're thinking about investing a lot in physical location. I mean, the media attention mostly centered around big bank. If you look at most of the attention in the media about branch closures, it's about 98% big banks. I mean, there are a few credit unions we work with that are actually uh, deciding to leave communities. It's difficult, as I think Amy pointed out earlier, to say you're community focused and leave a community. So when credit unions come to us, they're pretty much thinking about, well, how can we leverage this better? So we had a client in the Southeast, they're having a challenge. How are they gonna create value? in their retail branch footprint. I mean, they were pretty frustrated because they really didn't, wasn't sure how to locate and be effective. I mean, when you're talking about a $3 million a pop investment, minimal, just in land and facility, not to mention hiring staff, I mean, that's, that's a dramatic investment. So what they really wanted to do was, you know, get their branches 
in places that would grow its assets. And so what we're able to do, takes a little while to do these kind of things. We actually locate and then do the facility itself. So what they did was roll out five ranches over four years. And what it did is it grew their loan portfolio by 50%. I mean, they grew over $200 million in assets and loans by strategically going after this. So we're still seeing, you know, that being local really matters, especially in the credit union world and connecting with that community. And that is more the rule with the clients we're working with because not everybody's branching every year, James. And when they do, they they really have to think through why they're doing that. And if they can't measure it, you can't improve it. So we're, you know, we're hoping to share some more of the stories like that at the uh, Q School this summer. Excellent. I appreciate that. To be doing some very engaging, interactive sessions at this school. So excited about that. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to Amy. What are your thoughts there? Identify the challenge. Describe some of the steps that were taken to overcome those challenges. And what are some best practices you'd be willing to share related to the work you do every day? Happy to. And and, and I won't specifically call out even an unnamed credit union as, as singular, is what I'm seeing, um, and not even seeing as a, as a loose term, is experiencing over many years now is for credit unions in general to look at, I'm going to use the term strategic planning differently. Um, that I, I love the term again, James Roberts said of legacy thinking as well as legacy systems, but legacy thinking, the I'm going to call it the old school way of uh, approaching strategic planning continues throughout today, again, creating small, large, in every area and corner of the country in many situations because they're so focused on the numbers, uh, chasing the numbers. At the end of the day, and I don't mean to downplay it, but the numbers can be, a credit union knows what their numbers are, what their numbers need to be, where they need to be in loan area, deposit area, uh, delinquency, net charge-off, ratios of uh, capital, all of that. Again, not to downplay that at all, but what we see time and time again that our best practices are the credit unions that realize you're still yielding the same result. Financially, maybe not so much. Hopefully you are growing and obviously there are credit unions that are, but there's something internal that still you, you're yielding the same result. And by, when I say that is that they don't understand who they truly are at the core as a brand and a culture. Now, those could be loaded terms depending on how you choose to interpret them, but they are the terms that, that we use when we're talking about strategizing your branding and your planning around the focus of getting to the center of who you are. Basically, why should anyone care to bank with you? Why should anyone care to work for you, so internal and external, and to be looking at, yes, the numbers are important, but how do you look at achieving that? And so what we have been doing for a number of years, but it's starting to increase because more cranes are starting to realize, especially with us being such a close-knit industry, as we look at it, how we we are very open with sharing information, success stories, and, and the other with each other, which I think is wonderful. And one of the many things I love about working in this industry is there's so much willingness to support each other is that they're realizing that strategic planning isn't necessarily sitting down with a financial advisor and spending two days talking about numbers. What it should be is bringing the leadership together with a professional such as the BA group is to spend those two days together to get to the core of who you are intrinsically as a credit union. And a lot of that can, what Anthony was saying about the the community and staying local and being a part of your foundation, your legacy and your heritage, that doesn't necessarily have to be dead. It just has to 
to be looked at in an ever-growing, evolving state of mind. And so what we see from uh, best practices is when the credit union, and I'm going to use the term invest again, when they invest in taking these measures with a third party, and I strongly say that, whether it's the BA group or not, I'm not trying to plug us here, is to finding the right partner because it's so hard to look at yourself from the outside in, but to find the right partner to help you look outward and to dive into everything from your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, your threats, your competitive factors. So basically a SWOT analysis, tried and true all these decades later, but maybe in your own own right, to figure out who you are and, and what you're going to be telling your staff that you're holding them accountable to. And when we see a credit union doing that, and by accountability, again, not just the numbers, but accountable to a culture, to an ideals, it helps a credit union find their story, find their voice. And so that's why I'm not going to pin it to one example, unnamed credit union, but when we are able to do that with a credit union and build their story from the inside out, we hear all the time, we're the best kept secret, or if only people knew X, Y, and Z about us, back to the brochure question. We have so much to say, we're so impassioned, and we don't know how to get the word out. Well, if you don't, if you can't understand it internally, if you can't do your 30-second elevator pitch to somebody about who you are, what your financial institution stands for, and why someone should care to, we'll use bank as a verb, bank with you, then everything else is going to be a struggle, no matter what numbers you put down on a piece of paper, uh, no matter what business opportunities you look at in the future. It even comes down to HR. When the HR representatives are looking to recruit, if, the, if they're just looking for someone who looks good on black and white and can balance a cash drawer, well, there's a lot of people out there who could do that. But is somebody going to be the representative of our credit union and our core values and our culture? But I think the biggest hurdle that we see that credit unions, they will get into it. And I'm not saying all of them. I'm just saying some of the struggles we see with this process. They like the idea. They like the thought of it and to take it forward and they'll go through the process and then they lose sight of it and they go back to old habits. That's saying old habits die hard. And then the staff feels uh, discouraged. There might be turnover. It is hard. It's not easy. It's not easy to embrace an idea that is so not typical of what the credit union has been doing as its mode of business for decades upon decades. But when you do fully embrace it, when you understand it's Today is a beautiful platform about people, about relationships, about culture, about truly the, the initial founding fathers of credit unions were aiming to do from a financial institution standpoint. That philosophy still lives, if not stronger, today because more people are willing to embrace that, but you have to embrace it internally. And so that's, uh, you know, when Anthony was talking about being excited for the school this summer, if you can't hear it in my voice, I am so excited to be talking with those in attendance on how we encourage and build uh, upon the idea of it's not just banking business, but how you build upon who you are as a credit union. So you establish your differentiating factors and value propositions, because once you breathe that forward, you will inspire others and the business will start to come in because people are inspired by what they do these days so and who they partner with. So I have a lot of passion around that, as you can tell, and uh, we've seen it work and we've seen the challenges around it as well. Amy, James, Anthony, thank you so much for your thought. I think listeners, you definitely get a feel for 
their their passion, what Amy just said, their interpersonal skills. And, you know, you can't do this alone. It's arguable that marketing is, again, that sector that has changed more than any other sector in such a short period of time. You need a framework and, and you need a professional development opportunity to connect with others and connect with the leaders to develop a plan. So it was great to connect with you three on the show. We're excited. You three will be leading the Q School of Strategic Marketing. It's taking place in Cleveland, Ohio, July 15th to the 18th of 2019. The school is designed for presidents, CEOs, chief marketing officers, directors of marketing and communication, and managers in marketing and communications. Earn the prestigious Certified Strategic Marketing Executive or CSME designation by attending the Q School of Strategic Marketing and generating an action plan. That's right. Before you leave, you will have an action plan ready to go and to implement. Participants will be given the opportunity to devise and present a focus improvement plan during the course of the school. You'll also have the opportunity to participate in a field experience at the Cleveland's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just a short walk from where the school is taking place. So before we end here, I'd like each of you to share some of the takeaways and action items you'll present at the school. If you could do that, keep that to one minute, that'd be great. Thank you. Amy, we'll start with you. In one brief minute, you're going to get a whole lot of what you heard here today uh, from from myself and, and my co-instructors as well and my partners here on the on the podcast. But basically, what it boils down to is the goal of of the primary walk away from from my angle of it, not to be siloed, is that the all those in attendance walk away with a either validated perspective, a fresh perspective, or a wow, I never thought about that perspective of when it comes down to truly successfully marketing and brand in your credit union internally, externally, core culture, uh, gaining the non-members and growing of the strategy and digital and how it all intertwines together for marketing of a credit union today and into the future. Thank you, Amy. All right, Anthony, can you share some of those takeaways and action items from the school? Yeah, I mean, we, for the most part, most people don't have really a clear vision on the strategy side of what branch transformation and what their branch of the future is really supposed to accomplish. So in my part, we're going to help you identify where you can go find new business. And then we're going to teach you how to connect through the branch. So it's going to be super practical. We're going to teach you how to think about a market where you can go get new loans and deposits and then how you can connect that functionally, experientially, and perhaps think about some of the technology pieces for the branch. So it's going to be pretty hard-hitting, and uh, hope you hold on to your seat. It should be fun. I love that. Thanks, Anthony. All right, James. Yeah, so when it comes to digital marketing, we'll dive deeper into some of what we talked about today uh, with, with the primary goal to simplify. Simplify the complexity, escape the overwhelmment, provide clarity to overcome the confusion around digital marketing that I continue to hear from credit union marketing teams and others within the organization, looking at how we can use digital marketing to create experiences, experiences being nothing more than systems and processes that have been well thought out, designed, applied, and optimized over time to to focus on one thing, and that is growth, generating what we call 10 times more loans and deposits. Thank you, James. Now, if Q's podcast listeners want to contact you through social media or through your website. What's the best way for them to do so? Amy? 
It's real simple. Just go to thebagroup.com, and yes, the is part of our formal name, so thebagroup.com, and on there is our website, obviously, as well as links to our social media. But if you search us on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn, The BA Group, you'll find us easily that way as well. Thank you, Amy. Anthony, where can they find you? All over social media. The easiest thing to do is go to level5.com. That's L-E-V-E-L, the number 5.com. You'll also see us plastered all over LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find me, Anthony Burnett, on all of those channels. That's an easy way to find Level 5 as well. So we use them all. I see you out there, Anthony. <laughs> you certainly are, are present for sure. All right, James, what about you? Two ways, digitalgrowth.com, www.digitalgrowth.com. A lot of great insights and resources that we share there. And then personally, uh, just Google me, James Robert Lay, as with everyone else, really active on LinkedIn and some of the other social communities. So if you have a question, hit me up anytime. Happy to answer and, and help guide you along your digital growth journey. Well, thank you, three. That's three ways that you can connect with additional resources or three individuals that you can connect. And if you'd like to examine that agenda that we're talking about for the Q School of Strategic Marketing, remember, it is taking place in Cleveland, Ohio, July 15th through the 18th. If you want to know more information on how to register, please visit cues.org slash S-O-S-M. Again, C-U-E-S dot org slash S-O-S-M. Well, thank you for spending time with our listeners, Amy, Anthony, and James. This is a really unique form. I listen to thousands of podcasts, and I've never had one frame quite like this. It's can be challenging. We're in different locations, but you made it super smooth. I want to thank you so much for your time and dedication. Thank, thank you, James. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. Wow, that was a lot of fun. Q's Podcast Nation, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Thanks for making the show a part of your day. This episode, 69, would be a great episode for you to share with your colleagues. As a reminder, you can direct people to our show in several ways. We are found in all major podcast directories such as iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you were to hit the subscribe button, all episodes will be delivered to your device. New episodes can be accessed as soon as they are released. You can also go to cumanagement.com forward slash podcast. You'll find a link to the show there along with show notes for each and every episode. Thanks for your help in getting the word out. I want to thank Amy Herbig, Anthony Burnett, and James Robert Lay for serving as panelists on the show. As you found out, these three will be serving as the lead instructors for the Q School of Strategic Marketing. Check out this four-day professional development experience by visiting qs.org slash SOSM. For more talent development content from Qs, you can visit Qs.org, that is C-U-E-S dot O-R-G. If you are a Q's member, you have access to invaluable membership benefits to further enhance your development. Visit Qs.org slash membership to learn more. Q's is an international credit union association. Our mission is to educate and develop credit union CEOs, executives, directors, and future leaders. To learn how Q's can help you realize your potential, visit Q's.org today.